You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're here to empower, educate, and encourage women to start talking about money. Discover more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and welcome to Her Money. If you like to travel, well, Darren Kagan, who many of you know from CNN and her days as an anchor there, will be with us. She is talking about her new site focusing on all things possible. But we've also snagged her husband, a guy named Trent Swanson, who has managed to amass over $9 million Yes, million airline miles. They just jetted around the world on a trip that was worth about $100,000 flying first class everywhere. They paid in total about 300 bucks. So they're going to fill us in on how it's done. I know that many of you remember Darren from her 12-year tenure as an anchor for CNN. She reported live from war zones, live from the red carpet. Maybe you watch her today. She's the host of RLTV's Bookmark. She's also a syndicated newspaper columnist. And in her weekly What's Possible column, she talks about the good stuff in life, which is something that we all need much more of today. It led to her new book, which is called Hope Possible, a network news anchor's thoughts on losing a job, finding love, a new career, and my dog, always my dog. Darren, it's so appropriate that we have you here today because my dog, and I don't know if you remember Teddy, but my dog is actually with us today in the studio. He's here and you're here, and it's great to talk to you. It's been much too long. It has, and I love how our, our lives and our friendship have intersected over the years, and so glad to have our paths crossed today. Me too. So the last time that we talked, you were single. You <laughs> had just left CNN. Now you're married. You're raising two teenage girls. That's a lot of ground to cover. So let's start after CNN. What what happened? So I was at CNN for 12 years, mainly as a news anchor. I started there as a sports anchor, but the bulk of my CNN career was as a news anchor. And one day the boss came to me and said he wasn't going to renew my contract. I never asked why. Um, I figured if they don't want you, they don't want you. <laughs> um, and so when I left CNN, I was like, I guess my early 40s, um, I'd lost my job. I'd never been married and never had kids. Um, I know the latter part isn't everyone's dream, but it was part of my dream. And so it's certainly I was at a place where, like, this is not the life that I had planned and not the life that I'd hoped for. The first thing I did was the part that I knew how to do was reinvent my career. And I did that with starting a media company that only focuses on positive and uplifting news. And the home of that is my website, DarrenKagan.com. And what made you decide to just look at the positive? Was it a reaction to being in the war zones? You know, that was part of it. It was, you know, I loved my job in news. Um, I like to say I would still be sitting there if they hadn't shown me the door. But when I lost my job, and, you know, right when somebody loses a job, you maybe can't see this, but when you get a little bit of space, sometimes you can. 
I could see that it was a gift in that I was on my own kind of spiritual journey, focusing on the positive, And then I had this job where I talked about doom and gloom every day. Mm-hmm. And it just, that really wasn't a match. Um, but still, it was a really, really challenging time for me. And I was gobbling up and reading every self-help, woo-woo, any <laughs> book that I could. And there was one line in there that really moved me. There was a line, I think it was a Wayne Dyer book. And he said, create what you seek. So if you're looking for something, then go create it. And boy, was I looking for some inspiration and something positive because things just, you know, I did not walk out of my boss's office going, woohoo, I'm so excited I lost my job. I'm going to go talk about uplifting and positive news. You know, I needed to surround myself with things of what was possible. So I started this website and that started a new journey. Well, one thing that I know from talking to you in the past, and I bring it up because I think it's a really important lesson for our listeners, mm-hmm. is you were prepared financially for this to happen. Yeah. T- take us back one step and tell us how and why you were so prepared. So at some point, probably halfway through my CNN career, I started working with a financial advisor um, who was a woman. And I think that was really important for me because... My parents did a lot of stuff right, but financial modeling was not one of them. And so to have a woman show me what was possible and what I could do was really great. And she started with um, having me save huge chunks of my salary. I was I was very well paid as a news anchor, and she came and she's like, we're going to save more than half. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and she's like, you know, it's not supposed to be punitive. If you need, if we need to loosen it, we will. Um, but... When she was the first person I went to see when I found I was losing my job, and she sat across this desk with a huge smile on her face. And I'm like, did you not hear what I just said? <laughs> and she pulled out my, you know, my statements, and she said, you could leave today, and you'll be fine. And you have set yourself up in two ways. One, you save money, so you can invest in a new business if that's what you want, and that's what I chose to do. Um, but also something she said that I hadn't even thought about when I was doing, she said, she kind of used her hands at different levels and she said, you were making this and she put her hand above her head. She's like, but you've been living at this level. So you don't need to go recreate that salary in order to keep your home and keep things going. So I, I guess I had been training myself to cut back even before I needed to cut back. Was it hard? I mean, we I've, I've done stories before on people who are super savers, people who do bank half their income or, or more. And they do it by getting their priorities straight and, and figuring out what's really important to them and, and what's not. Was there anything hard about this process? And how would you tell other people to do it? I, well, the number one thing is have it come out of your paycheck. <laughs> so there's, you're, you're used to the money that is in your hand is, is a much less amount than what you think is coming on your check stub. Um, so if it's money you never really see or touch, I think that's huge. Um, and I think start aggressive, and if it doesn't fit, then loosen it up a little bit. But you you can surprise yourself with what you can get by on. You really can. Um, and until you do it, and until you start taking it out, um, you can't really see it. Um, the other thing that, like I said, for me, it was really good for me to work with a woman, a woman who was older, who was explaining money and what was possible with money to me. It's almost like a mother figure. And was um, that because it was easier to hear it from her? I think, you know, kind of like the, you know, the mother dog teaching the pup. (laughs) Um, I respected her. She was bright. Um, There was, 
she never talked to me like I was dumb or didn't understand. It was more like a teaching rather than a trying to pull something over on me. Always very encouraging, always tying it to goals and dreams and, and what could be possible if we did this. Always explaining things, no such thing as a dumb question. For me, it was awesome to work with a female financial advisor. That fit, too. It's just so important. And I always try to tell people, if you're not having that level of understanding with your financial advisor, it's not that they're a bad advisor, but they're a bad advisor for you. Might not be a great fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she opened the doors to what's possible. How did you finance this reinvention and this building of this business and and just take us along that ride a little bit. Well, I was honestly a reluctant entrepreneur. Um, as you know, when you're raised as a journalist back in the day, you just you always just assume you're going to work for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, my idea of doing uplifting and positive news, um, I first tried to shop. I tried to sell it to Yahoo. I got a meeting with Yahoo, and I I made what I thought was a great pitch of. You know, you go to Yahoo and you get, you know, your stocks, your news, your sports. But where's the Yahoo and Yahoo? Yeah. <laughs> like, you should be able to click on Yahoo and get something uplifting and positive. And um, it wasn't that they said no, but there was never an enthusiastic yes. You know, so I was knocking all these doors. And it was my younger sister who looked at me as a sister only can. She's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you giving this idea away? Look, look at the media environment and the time that we're in. Launch your own website. Make that your home and go create content for different people on different platforms. And in two sentences, that really is my business. That's what I do. The first thing I did was I hired a web design company to design my website. Things have advanced so much in recent years, like the most recent edition of my website, I did myself. I went and learned WordPress and I was able to design myself. Um, so the thousands and thousands of dollars that cost to launch my business when I left CNN now cost me like a year. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And that is something that I should be doing myself. I should get in there and learn WordPress because I think I would be so much better at just making the small changes on my website that I feel like I have to ask somebody else to make for me. Exactly. Can I give you a great money tip? Yes. Yes. There's this thing that I stumbled across. It's called WordCamp. And it comes to cities all over the country and I think all over the world. And I discovered it here in Atlanta a couple of years ago, but I know it comes to your area too, for 40 bucks for the weekend, which includes lunch, cookies, and parking. You can't buy lunch and cookies and parking in Atlanta for $40. For you, you can't even park um, in New York exactly. for $40 a day. I mean, <laughs> for $40. Um, it's a two-day workshop on WordPress, and it's all different levels and all different seminars, and again, this environment that's very supportive and doesn't um, look at you like, well, what do you mean you're not a you know a computer programmer or geek? I mean, those people are there, but so are newbies. In fact, I think they have a day where they do, do new people to WordPress. And over the entire WordCamp, there's always a room, gosh, what do they call this room? It's kind of like the Genius Bar at the Apple Store. My favorite but place. And it's just stocked, staffed with WordPress experts that you go in and you just say, 
I want my website to do this, but it doesn't do that, or I'm thinking of doing this. Uh, they just sit there and they tell you how to do such stuff. It's, it is amazing. Oh, I am so uh, going, and so are my kids. They do not know it yet, but they're going to. And I'm also going to QuickBooks Camp. I have to find that, but I need that as well. Um, we're just going to camp. That's exactly. We're or just do. camp. Exactly. So exactly. let me just breathe for a second, because this is great. And I want to hear about your personal life, too, and how okay. you met your husband and all of this stuff. But before we do that, let me just remind everybody, Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. We are so grateful to them for their sponsorship. Fidelity is focused on helping women like Darren, like me, like you take charge of your financial lives because we all deserve it. We deserve to live the lives that we have worked so hard for. And if you visit fidelity.com slash it's time, you'll find resources, information, tools about how to manage your money during all of these times, good and bad, whether you're losing a job or getting a job, whether you're getting married, whether you're getting divorced, whether you're starting a new career. And again, that's fidelity.com slash it's time. We're with Darren Kagan of DarrenKagan.com. Tell us what happened in your personal life. How'd you meet this great guy? Um, wow. So that, this is the big reinvention. So I got my company up and going, and this is now a few years after I left CNN, and I still was single. I had never been married. Honestly, between the two girlfriends here, um, I hadn't been on a date like in years. <laughs> it was bad. Um, and I was out with some friends at a summer festival, and we ran into a dad who um, was there with his young daughter. And um his story was he was a single dad raising his daughter alone. His first wife had passed away mm. and we met and we got married and I adopted his daughter. So I became a mom. Wow. Congratulations. And then to just expand the family the year before I met them when I was having a pity party moment, a friend suggested that I sign up to be in the big brother, big sister program, which I did. And then that who was a little girl is now a teenager. She lives with us full time now. Wow. So went from single, never married, no kids, to married with two teenage daughters. <laughs> and and how how are you doing? You know, doing really well. They're good girls. Um, it's a different chapter of life. It really is. The family has the number one priority. These kids know nothing or very little of, like, my life before. Like, when we're running to somebody, like, oh, you on CNN or this or that, you know, they just kind of roll their eyes. It's <laughs> like, no, she drives us around or yeah. she cooks for dinner. Or, yeah, exactly. What does it mean to me? It's been great. It really has been great. I, these, I fully believe these are the kids I was meant to raise. No pangs that I need to go make a bio, biological baby or anything like that. Um, and it's all, all the fun and challenges and great things you would imagine with a dream coming true like that. That is fantastic. I can hear your smile. I understand that your husband is a bit of a frequent flyer mile savant. So in this day and age where it's gotten um, harder to use all of our miles, how do you guys continue to jet set around the globe for no money? So about the time we started dating, he discovered this hobby of collecting frequent flyer miles without flying. It's all in how we spend the money, our money, you know, money you're going to spend anyway Mm -hmm. on your mortgage, on your power bill, on your clothes. So we've amassed like five or six million miles, not by flying, just by 
buy. Not that we've spent $5 million, rather when you use certain credit cards or when you um, buy online through different portals, it will multiply the number of miles that you get. So he's an IT spreadsheet kind of guy, uh-huh. and um, he's kind of like the general who sends out the marching orders, like, okay, this quarter you're going to use this credit card at the grocery store because we're getting three times the miles, but next quarter you're going to use it at the gas station. And so half the game is the earn, and then the other half is the burn. And through this kind of crazy hobby, and I talk about it on my website. If you go to daringkagan.com, there's a tab that I think it's called my husband's crazy frequent flyer mile hobby. <laughs> I kind of explain <laughs> um, how it works. Um, yeah, we have taken incredible trips. In fact, we're um, just back from Europe. We took the girls to um, Barcelona and Rome. At Christmas, we took them to Africa. Four of us flew business class, and we paid $100 a piece for those tickets. Wow. And then last year, he and I went on a trip around the world where we flew on these uber luxury airlines like where you have an apartment, you're an apartment in the sky and a shower and um, the tickets would have been $90,000 and he paid $300 a piece. That's unbelievable. great adventures that we certainly would not have if he was not doing this crazy hobby. And does he actually manage to pay the mortgage on a credit card? Because I've managed to pay many things, but I don't think I've ever managed to pay the mortgage. There are secondary um, like online banks that allow you, it's like a three-step process. And when I say he's kind of nuts, he's nuts. Like he will go buy gift cards and then load the gift cards in the online checking account and then you pay the mortgage out of that and then somehow it gets funneled through the credit card or you're paying off the credit card with the gift card. It's, I got to it meet like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's figured out how to pay everything except private school tuition. That's the one thing, that's the hardest check to write every month. That part he hasn't figured out. Well, I will definitely check out the website and see what I can learn. It's been fantastic to catch up with you. Thank you for coming on and telling us about your book, and I hope you'll come back again. Absolutely, and congratulations on the podcast and all the incredible things you do, because everything you do is also about helping other people, and we really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Jean. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. It's time now to take your questions. Kelly has joined me in the studio. How are you on this beautiful day? I am good. I love this fall weather. I know. I know. It's just incredible. It's nice and crisp and it's boot weather. It's you know, my, my favorite weather is boot and sweater weather. Mm-hmm. You know, not not a puffy coat, nope. but boots and sweaters. And I'm going to add fur jackets or like fur vests, on, faux fur jackets faux fur. and faux fur vests okay. onto that. All right. Okay. They look better on you than on me. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I feel like a butterball. Her <laughs> <laughs> first question came from Twitter this week. At Mod6 tweeted asking, what do you think about long-term care insurance? Is there a better way to prepare financially for this eventually? I think long-term care insurance is tough, quite frankly. I mean, it, it look, long-term care insurance makes sense for a very particular group of people. If you've got assets of less than a half a million to a million dollars, and I'm talking about liquid assets, and you need serious care, either at-home care or nursing home care, you are very quickly going to spend down your assets and you're going to qualify for Medicaid. If you've got assets of more than a few million dollars, you can invest your own money and generally fund your own care. The problem 
gets more complicated for people in the middle, and that's where long-term care insurance tends to make sense. A couple of caveats, though, if you're thinking about buying it. Age 55 is generally the right age to start to shop. If you're shopping, you want to shop with a specialist. And by that, I mean a person who sells an awful lot of long-term care insurance because the marketplace has been changing over the past decade. And a lot of insurance carriers have exited the market because they haven't been able to make enough money selling this product. It hasn't been profitable for them. And so the other thing that we're seeing is that prices on some policies are going way up and you have to really weigh if it's going to work for you or not. One thing we're seeing is people insuring not for the full amount that they'd need to pay for at-home care or a nursing home, but a portion of that amount. And that can actually just make things a lot easier down the road. So shop with an expert and uh, figure out if you're in the middle of that gap. And then, yes, it can make some sense. So when shopping for an expert, is this similar to when we're shopping for financial advisors in that you do have to vet them? Because I heard products and I'm wondering when, you know, the product they're pushing isn't in the person's best interest or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you vet them the same way you do advisors? Not exactly. I would go through usually the same people who sell life insurance and health insurance sell long-term care insurance. Um, The National Association of Health Underwriters is the place that you can find one of these people. And I'd start by just getting a recommendation from a friend. And if you've purchased life insurance from a person and you've got a good relationship with them, start talking with them about this product. Okay. Thank you, Maude, for tweeting at us. Our next question is on Facebook. Christy wrote to us. She says, Hi, Jean. I was wondering if checking Credit Karma Weekly can hurt my credit. Not if you're checking it yourself. Mm. And that's the bonus. So people are aware of the fact that there are two different kinds of inquiries into your credit report. There's the inquiry where you're out shopping for credit. You've applied for a credit card, for example. That's called a hard pull of your credit. But there's also a kind of inquiry where it's just you looking at your credit, and that's not going to impact it at all. Check it every day if you want. It's not going to move that fast. You'll drive yourself a little crazy, Mm -hmm. but it's just fine. Thanks, Jean. Sure. Thanks, Kelly. Keep the questions coming. We really like them. You can send us questions on Twitter. Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, We have a box where you can submit your question. So we are all over the place. I will find your questions if you ask them. Awesome. Thanks. I am on the phone now with Darren Kagan's husband, Trent Swanson. And Trent, I got to tell you that we had so much fun talking to Darren. But when she started talking about your hobby of accumulating rewards miles and points and traveling the world practically for free, everybody in the studio totally stopped what they were doing and focused really intently, and we knew we absolutely had to get you on the phone. So Trent Swanson is joining me on the phone. You're a, you're a software engineer by trade, is that right, Trent? But you are a yes. frequent flyer mile hobbyist. Yes, absolutely. And, and I read that since 2010, you've actually amassed 9 million airline miles. Yes, we have about 9 million miles, and the most fun about that is that typically accumulate those 
in methods other than actually flying on the airplane. Right. So you are not a road warrior. You are not on the the road every single day. Because I I would imagine for most people, if they wanted to accumulate that many miles, that's what they would be doing. My former career, out Sunday night, back home Friday, did that for several years, no longer am doing that lifestyle. It's a great way to earn miles. But with the recent changes in some of the frequent flyer programs, it actually makes less sense to fly frequently. There are much more efficient ways to earn miles. All right. So let's go about it in a way that our listeners can follow along and do this for themselves. How do you start? First way to really start is to make sure you evaluate yourself to determine are you a responsible person in terms of paying your monthly bills. Because one of the largest methods to accumulate miles is actually to sign up for credit cards that have a large amount of miles given to you for meeting a minimum spend amount within a certain period of time. And so with credit cards, of course, you have to pay off those bills on time or they have an adverse effect on your credit rating. An adverse effect on your credit rating and you pay interest, which gets pricey and expensive and we don't want people to do that. But you're talking about these bonuses, right, that you get for signing up for a credit card. There's been a lot of news lately about the Chase Sapphire card and the 100,000-mile bonus that they're offering people for signing up. Is that the kind of road that you go down? I think looking, first of all, at the overall travel needs of your family is really the first place to start. Do you a small or a large family? Do you like to travel to Tulsa to see grandma and grandpa? Or do you like to travel to exotic places and luxury? So the first thing to do is look at yourself, look at your travel needs, and what's the size of the crew you'll be bringing with you. Why is that so important? That's really important because you want to really seek out the points earning opportunities, including credit cards and other methods, based upon the program that it's tied to. And the program that it's tied to Some are better or not so good, depending on your travel needs. Some programs are great for traveling domestically for free in coach, and other programs are phenomenal for traveling first class with butlers and showers and chefs to exotic destinations. So knowing your own needs will tie back to the type of programs you need to latch on to to earn as many of those miles as you can. When we were talking to Darren, she told us that you got two round-the-world trips for a luxury vacation for the equivalent of about $300 a person. Is that accurate? And can you tell us what this trip entailed? That is correct. The trip entailed a a trip to the Maldives and a trip to Sydney. And we combined using American Airlines credit card partner City. And city cards, and also the Hyatt program with their Hyatt co-branded credit card with Chase. And we combine those two things together to redeem American Advantage miles and Hyatt gold passport points to respectively travel through luxury airlines and stay in Hyatt luxury property in the Maldives and in Sydney. We were able to do that by collecting two currencies, and the actual flights we took were on American Airlines partner Etihad. And Etihad is invested heavily in the first-class cabins, so we were able to fly their new 787 out of Dulles into Abu Dhabi, and then we connected to another luxury airline to go to Maldives, and then we actually came back from to Abu Dhabi to pick up the Etihad apartment, which is a A380 airplane. Each person has issued their own apartment. 
An apartment on an airplane? Apartments on an airplane when you each get your shared butler and your shared chef, and there is a shower as well in the first-class cabin. Oh, my so gosh. Four, 14 hours of pampered luxury, all for really just pennies. This trip for two people was well over $100,000 at retail. And we did just pay 140 or so in taxes and fees that per is, person. That's unbelievable. What would you advise people who are just starting out, want to make a little more out of their spending dollars, want to get something back because they are responsible spenders? Where's the best place to read up on the kinds of strategies that you're talking about? Well, as you mentioned earlier, Gene, with Chase you know, really launching this huge promo, it's become uh, the Chase Sapphire Reserve, I believe, that promo. It's become more of a mainstream hobby, so that p- puts more people out there actively pursuing it and actively looking to learn. So there are several sites out there. There's a Flyer Talk site that is pretty exhaustive and invasive in terms of details and a bit overwhelming for the for the novice. Mm-hmm. Uh, BoardingArea.com is a great site to go to if you're just starting. With one word of caution, many of the bloggers on that site um, are paid commissions for credit card conversions. And so if you're really looking to research the best credit card, you need to be careful to see if that person has an advertising disclosure to see if they're incentivized for, for actually selling you that card. So do your research carefully. And then some of the more mainstream sites like Reddit have travel hacking and points earning different threads on Reddit as well. So there are a lot of resources out there for someone who wants to dip their toes into the hobby. So in terms of if you were pointing at your favorite programs right now for both domestic and international, what would they be? Well, when you look at a program, you really want to look at at its flexibility, which means does this program transfer to the type of partners that meet your needs? And there are programs that transfer to airline partners and to hotel partners and other sorts of travel partners, but predominantly we're talking about airlines and hotels. So you want to latch onto the program like the Chase program you mentioned, Gene, the Ultimate Rewards program is great because it transfers to many high-value airline and high-value hotel partners that do have luxury properties and very high-end cabins with caviar and high-end wine and champagne, those things that people pursue. What if instead you are looking to move yourself and your family across the country to see the grandparents, but you're not really talking about international travel? So there are great programs for that. There are fixed-value programs like Capital One Rewards where you take those miles and they go fairly far in domestic travel on coach. And also Southwest has a good program, which actually does partner with the Chase Ultimate Rewards program. So looking to travel in distances with those airlines using those currencies, that's a great place to invest your your credit card acquisition and the different loyalty programs that are tied to those earning miles in those programs. So the way these programs are typically set up, and they have been set up, no matter which one you're you're with, Maybe you get a sign-on bonus that's 50,000 miles or 100,000 miles that's incredibly generous, but then you earn dollar-for-dollar miles, and sometimes you get $2, two miles for every dollar that you spend. Occasionally, you get three miles for every dollar that you spend. If you've racked up 9 million miles, you've figured out a way to get more miles per dollar spent. So how do you do that? So there are several techniques for that. First of all, obviously, 
tying all of your spend from checking and cash toward credit cards is very, very important. So you want to really stop writing checks. You want to really stop paying cash because those methods, cash and your cash methods, don't really earn any miles. So you want to move all of your spending toward credit card. And then secondly, you want to look at which credit cards earn me the most points for putting the least amount of spend. There are techniques out there where you can earn up to five times the points per dollar just by simply shopping at an office supply store, for example, or all purchases at an office supply store will give you five times the miles as opposed to one times the miles. So you can buy things at office supply stores, like gift cards, for example, to use at all your favorite merchants. And so immediately, just by stopping the office supply store first, by using the correct Chase credit card, you'll get five times the miles just for that. So essentially, you're talking about those kiosks at the office supply stores where they have gift cards for all the major retailers. So what you're saying is you go to the office supply store, you load up on those gift cards, and then you use the gift cards at various merchants. Is that sort of what you're saying? Absolutely. It's a broad array of merchants from retailers to restaurants to fuel to the major gasoline franchises. All of those are there for you to put your spend on. Additionally, there are loadable gift cards whereby approximately once or twice a quarter, the large office supply store chains will run a promotion where if you purchase those gift cards, you'll get a a rebate in the form of cash or in the form of a store credit that actually makes earning the miles, you actually earn miles and free money just by using the correct credit card to purchase a Visa gift card or a MasterCard or Amex gift card from that site. And you can take that card and use it at nearly every merchant that you shop at on a regular basis. How much work is this? I mean, it, it just, and, and how do you keep it all straight? I think the good news about it is it can flex based upon how serious or how casual that you want to be. From one end of the spectrum, there are folks who have successfully left their full-time legal careers and moved on into full-time bloggers and are quite successful in the various ways to earn revenue by blogging. And then all the way from the other, including that spectrum, there are folks who have left their full-time job to resell merchandise on Amazon as an Amazon merchant. And so by using the right credit cards, and the right cash back cards, buying merchandise, selling it for a profit, folks can amass hundreds of thousands of miles per month and ultimately be in the reselling business and and can use that as their primary income. So that's one extreme. Mm -hmm. The other extreme is the casual person who wants to poke their toe and say, I want to earn more Delta miles because I'm Atlanta hub captive. Let me just figure out the two best Delta credit cards that I can spend in order to fly my family across the country and coach. So, you know, that can be an hour a week all the way up to a full-time job, and it scales based upon each person's comfort level and amount of discretionary time. How much time do you spend on this? And tell us about the last fabulous trip that you took for free or close to free. I spend a few hours a week on this now. uh, and I used to spend a lot more in different various stages of my career. I have more and less discretionary time in this I'm a phase of my life, it's it's uh, pretty busy working with a startup internet company. So I spend most of my time in this hobby on the weekends. Um, I think the most fabulous trip we've taken recently was we were able to fly our two children and ourselves to 
Cape Town and do a safari as well, all in one trip, flying in business class, using our miles to fly. That costs us approximately $100 a person in taxes and fees to fly in business class, and those tickets were around $18,000 a person at retail. Wow. That's an incredible return on investment. It is. It's a good way to make money work smartly for you. Absolutely. I got to ask, I mean, you and Darren have been married how many years now? We've been married four years. And and when she first started to um, get wind of the fact that this was a hobby of yours, that this was something that you were passionate about, did she think you were crazy or was she like in it from the get-go? Uh, she is really perfect at it now. She's such an expert at it and she she does so well dealing with, you know, with the nuances, which credit card to use, which month at which retailer and how to keep track of that and she's you know very good. She she could do her own seminar on this. She's learned so much. But at first it's a little bit daunting because it does take discipline. It does take some organization and you know it really it, you have to reach a happy median, you know, for the health and well-being and sanity of the family. You can't chase every deal. Yes, I would love for her to sign up for this new United program where you dine the first time and get 2,000 free miles. But in order to chase that program, it's going to require 20 minutes for her to research, go to two different websites, click a form. And so at some point, you stop chasing the small deals for the big deals. But but Darren, she wasn't really a large traveler. She loves to stay at home. And since then, she's really been able to see the long-term value and, and how much fun it is and, and what great experiences it brings to her and the family. So she's been a, the perfect partner for this hobby in all those ways. What is your annual spending on credit cards? Annual spending on credit cards is, on an average year, it's going to be about $100,000. And because you put everything on them? Everything, including reimbursable business expenses. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're traveling to a client and paid you know, by, by that client or your own company puts you on a plane and lets you save the miles and lets you get reimbursed, so those miles all come to you. And for those people who travel full-time for a living, they can spend a lot of money on a card, but they get completely reimbursed by their employer or by the end client. And you guys even managed to put a mortgage on. Is that right? We did. This particular uh, hobby uh, ebbs and flows in terms of opportunities and deals. And the ones that provide outsized value, meaning the amount of work you put in, gets completely overwhelmed by the amount of benefit. They don't last very long. And there was a program whereby there was a startup company who would issue a prepaid debit card and you could put money on this debit card. Uh, It was totally a virtual debit card. And every dollar you charge of that debit card, you would get airline miles for. And so the program lasted a year or so. And and then that company ended up going out of business, unfortunately. And not surprisingly. (laughs) All sorts of options like this to earn miles uh, legitimately very quickly. Well, this was fun. I, I hope you'll keep us up to date on, on your travels. And, and if you come up with any great new strategies, new tips, send them our way. We'd love to hear about them. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, sure. Thank you. And thank Darren for um, turning us on to you as well, Trent Swanson. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jean. Take care. 
Thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the show at iTunes. Please leave us a review. Please share the show with anybody in your life you think might like it, too. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. We'll talk soon.